0: I'll get
1: it. What is it, Meg?
0: It's a man in a black coat. He says he wants you, and uh, he says he's the Grim Reaper.
1: What? Oh, okay. I'll get it. Man, I'm trying to do a setup here, and I can't can't get anything done. All right, what does this guy want? Yeah, hello? Mr. Klein. Yeah? Yeah? Come with me. It is your time. Oh, no, 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 I can't right now. Uh, Mr. Hallett and I have a game tonight, and we haven't even finished playing all the hedgerow uh, scenarios from the action pack, so if you can come back later, all right? I got, got, I gotta, can't, can't go till I finish at least playing all those scenarios in the action pack. Thanks. All right, that takes care of that.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to another episode of the Two Half Squads. Dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world and universe. Yes. And the game is called Advanced Squad Leader. Leader. And I am your host, Jeff. And I'm your host, Dave. And we have been your hosts for 54 episodes, including this one, plus
1: uh, some extras. And many, a ex- dozen, thirteen, maybe, yeah, a dozen extras, maybe thirteen, yeah. yeah. maybe fourteen, might if, be more. If you put out the one we did at the S at the ASL Open, but I don't, I don't think we're going to see that one. I think yet.
0: no. I think I'm going to wait. I, I think they get better as they get older. <laughs> you know, you're just letting it kind of, yeah, age, gel, yeah, <laughs> veg. Yes, I'm waiting for the perfect moment. You know, it's all about timing in the in the big business of broadcasting. It is. It is about timing. And we're happy to be here. What's the date today, Dave? It is July 18th. I like that uh, every couple of weeks I find out what day it is, because otherwise I don't look at the calendar. I just ask Dave. So it's July 18th. We are not simulcasting tonight.
1: We are not. No,
0: because um, we're ugly tonight.
1: (laughs) Yes, well, I thought I was ugly last time, and people seeing me pick my nose is just a bit too much for me. (laughs) I actually like that part. I keep playing that part over and over.
0: (laughs) <laughs> you know, we did a little simulcast last time. If you haven't uh, had a chance to look at it, we we use a service called Justin TV. And um, it was about a two-hour episode. And I tried to upload it into YouTube. It's supposed to do it automatically. But for some reason, it's only uploading the first segment of it, one of eight. won't upload the rest, but you can at least see that segment. You can see what we look like, see what the broad, broadcast foxhole looks like.
1: I can see all the horror right there. Yeah. We're going to try Just to do don't more gawk at it. Yeah, please. Keep moving. Don't make a <laughs> don't have one of those driving gawking no backup traffic jams. No. Um you might want to check us out there
0: and we'll be doing that again as soon as we get less ugly, I guess. Yep. We'll be doing. Everything's on the table. Do more uh, do a more visual show. As our production values increase, which, that's that ain't gonna happen. So, Dave, how have you been? We've been playing some Squad later.
1: Oh, yeah, been doing a lot of things, so we'll have a little of uh, scenarios we've played lately for you. Mm-hmm. I believe we have letters tonight, because we yep. didn't last time. Some box art, maybe? No, not, uh, what's in the box Oh, what's tonight? in the box, yeah, I knew it had something to do with the of box. Out of the Bunker Pack. Yep. We're still waiting for Festoon with Budapest and Pele. Yeah, I... Uh... I wonder if we're going to see uh, Budapest this you are. year. You are. Chaz is on it. I have total faith.
0: Yeah, we tried to get a couple uh, of interviews with some interesting folks from MMP, but um, they have declined because they're working so hard. I think they're working overtime. Yeah, maybe next time. Yeah. Painting all those little counters, <laughs> cutting, everything, cutting all the paper, checking their spelling. So uh, without further ado, why don't we go on to letters?
1: Well... All (coughs) righty (coughs) then. Bless you, Jeff. Thank you. All right. First letter up is John DePonio. He says, Jeff and Dave, thanks for all your hard work to provide fabulous podcasts and now videos for ASL. Your work is very much appreciated in the community, and I have learned so much from my commute to and from work over the years. I look forward to more episodes. Thank you, Johnny Day. Well, thank you.
0: That was nice. He didn't have anything uh, bad to say. Nope. That was kind of nice. Uh, here's an email from Brian. Love the show. In a past episode, I think that this was a while ago. One of you mentioned you were looking for Pathfinders, Pathfinder Adventures. Oh, I was referring to another game, not Advanced Squad Leader.
1: Oh, are we allowed to read that one? I on don't think air? we're allowed to read it, so I'm
0: going to... See well, it. Let's, so let's see later. at the Who's end there. Oh, reader. he says sure.
1: uh, he's been buying from Alex Key.
0: Yeah, and he said, it's nice to see you giving Alex Key some love. I've been buying from him since the late 1900s. Wow. Ironically, uh, he moved not far from me. We just haven't been able to connect. Well, when you do connect, say hi to Alex Forrest. We yes. missed him uh, last time we were at ASL Open. We didn't see him at the ASL Open, and we missed him. Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, also, in a past episode, you said there was someone who uh, basically put on ASL for Beginners program at ASLOC. I have an outside chance of going this year, and was wondering who that was and what their contact information is. And uh, do you remember who that was? No. No, I think I slept through most of Aslock, didn't I? Oh no, I was awake. Uh we, I reccom- just wasn't we recommend
1: you uh, simply contact Brett Hildebrand at the website, yeah, for the Aslock and yeah. be able to help you out. He will hook you up. I have a letter from Bjorn Larsson in a good way. He likes the idea of streaming the show on the TV side. However, he said, after a few days, the recording disappears. So you're forced to watch the show almost immediately after it's broadcasted. Yeah, it would be forced is a good word. <laughs> yeah. In case of the last two shows, I mean, you have to commit more than three hours for that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's long. And it looks like it's possible to send the recorded stream to YouTube. And he appreciates it that we would do it. And we have done that, sir. Yeah, we're working on that. The next time we do a um,
0: video broadcast, we're going to cut it up into... Nice little sections that we can get to YouTube, and uh, why?
1: Why not? Just because why not? it's there. You never know. We may get discovered by somebody. Now he also mentioned uh, in a reply to us that there is at the forums of Game Squad an opponent finder Google Maps link, which we'll put up. Yes. Uh, on that, you can mark where you are, and you can look anywhere in the United States, maybe wider. In the world. When in I the had, own world. In, <laughs> I put the PASL on there, Palatine Area mm-hmm. Advanced Squad Leader Club. I put the broadcast foxhole, and you can <laughs> you switch not, to satellite
0: view. I did. You did put it on Yeah. You it's can true. switch to satellite view. And what I'm thinking of doing so because... people bomb us. This, yeah, yeah. And from the satellite view, you can very nicely see the roof of my house, which makes sense. And I'm thinking of painting big letters ASL on the roof <laughs> so next time the Google satellite goes over wouldn't that be cool that would be pretty that would be pretty cool because you can see you know you cool. can see pretty well I mean you can see the garden and and all kinds of stuff absolutely so, yeah so, yeah. so thank you for that link bjorn yep here's a little email from Vladimir as we used to say in Russian class not Vladimir but Vladimir Thanks for the interview with Steve Linton. I played against him for our first GS Vassal League game. I'm not sure what GS Vassal is. Maybe Game Squad League game? I don't know. Uh, know. We'll make a guess, and if I sound silly, that's nothing new. The scenario was Commando Schenke from Beyond Valor. It was close, but I got beaten in the end. It's nice to hear him chat about his interests and experiences. I had fun time
1: playing with him. I love the Aussie episode. Great interviews there. Oh, yeah, great interviews. Steve's a great guy. Yeah. And that Commando Shanky's a really good scenario. I know it very well. Do you? Yeah, played it many times.
0: You played it many times? It's a nice
1: short one, so we played it for, like, a uh, house tournament I did. We've used it on the pastel nights a couple times, and and it's been around a while, so. I have a comment posted on episode 51, hold on to your Holst, a comment about the picture of Mr. Holst. He says... He looks like a stunt double for a zombie movie in the picture on this page, <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to take that picture of Scott Holst and use that as a, a next contest. You would come in and write a caption for that. So <laughs> it's it's an, <laughs> it's an it's a great idea. Un, it's an unofficial contest. We may no. not give prizes. We may. The song contest is still going for a very short time. Yeah. By the time this airs, maybe it'll be over. Do you remember the date we had on? Closing that contest? Well, uh, July 30th. Oh, so, yeah, you probably won't right It'll be over. It'll be over by now. Yeah. And we'll draw for that contest, okay. the song contest, next show maybe. Right. So for in the me- in the meantime, a non-official contest at the moment, write a caption for that picture. For of the Scott Holtz picture. That's a great idea. Can I enter? You may, because it's a non-official contest. Okay. Oh, good. I just, I'm not allowed
0: to win. mundo. Okay. Here we got a very nice personal email. To Don Greenwood, from Don Greenwood, yeah, from Don, not for Don. Did I say for Don Greenwood? But to Don Greenwood. No, we got a personal email from Don Greenwood. Dear Sir or Madam, I like how personal that is. No, he writes and says, uh, "Join us at the World Board Gaming Championships." You know, I'm not sure that people will hear this before the World Board Game Championships because I think they start on August 1st through 7th of 2011. I believe. So I don't know if we'll get this show out in time. but So hopefully people are going to go to the World Board Gaming Championships, the best gaming week of the year. Well, maybe. Could be. Never been. And that's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Or Lancaster, as Lancaster. they say in England. But it looks like a good time. 13,000-square-foot tiered dinner theater reserved exclusively for open gaming from Monday through Sunday. So, ooh, you may want to stay away from Lancaster because that's going to be... A crazy week. And smelly. A lot of rowdy gamers. We know how, how well uh, gamers do. Well, when they're winning, they're fine. When they're
1: losing, eh, not so much. We, we hope to see you all there. We won't be there, but... No, and I wonder if there's ASL there. What else? Very. I have a letter from Randolph Kane. He wrote a very long letter. And one of the things he mentions is that he's been returning to ASL after a long hiatus. He says, I don't have enough time to play Maybe I can retire soon and commit more time. I would say that my rate of learning falls somewhere between the speed of flowing molasses and the ground speed of a small banana slug. Those are really slow. Yeah. To your credit, you've helped me greatly. I enjoy the discussion on strategy. See, we do talk about strategy. I did not know that. I think we don't. I don't know who. He liked the bar segment. It's not the automatic rifle, the B-A-R. It's Box Art Review. Uh, He likes likes the Boccherini music, but it's not Boccherini. I think it's Hayden or something. But he would prefer, if you not play it during the segment, he finds it distracting. I don't know, Jeff. I think it has to stay. (laughs) Simply because it's distracting. It's uh, Boccherini. Oh, Boccherini. Well, the music is Hayden. Uh, Hayden. Hayden. Don't play Hayden. You say Hayden. It's okay. That's like that. It is. It's like that. (laughs) indefatigable <laughs> thing, indefatigable <laughs> thing you did on me. I, in fact, I d- don't believe that. You proved to me that that's indefatigable. It's indefatigable,
0: and I can prove it right here. Now, that yeah, I rest my case. No, they... You're not going to argue
1: with the knights of the round table, are you? Yeah, they don't know how to pronounce words. <laughs> Indefatigable. Fatigable. They're just trying to make it rhyme with table. Here, I have some back, I have some proof for you All about right. that very fact. Uh, go ahead. There, you see, they said unsingable, yeah. unsingable like the lyrics we get from our listeners on the song (laughs) contest, unsingable. And they pronounce it unsingable. Yeah. So that proves that you're
0: wrong. They said it that way, so it rhyme with indefatigable. No, because that's
1: wrong, too. Oh, boy. There. I've proven I'm right. Back to the letters. Okay. Ah, Okay, I agree with that. Uh, Let's get back to the letters. uh, He also says, the grammar Nazi in me cannot remain silent. The plural of die is dice. We know that, don't we? We do know that. It's probably just one of those errors you make when you're trying to do a live show. We get uh, lazy in our pronunciation sometimes. I think that's not unusual in the case of Die and Dice. And he feels that introductory comedy segments are great occasionally. (laughs) You could use some better writers, but you've had a few gems. Those must have been the ones you wrote, Jeff. Oh, I don't think so. He would offer some suggestions, and he gave us a ton of comedy bit suggestions. We'll take under consideration. Randy, thank you. He also gave us a song entry and more comedy bits. I told him the comedy bit uh, contest was over. He said he missed it. He didn't hear those episodes. Yeah.
0: Boy, he, And he wrote a lot of stuff. If we ever have a writer's strike over here, um, we, at least we've got some material in the pipeline. That is correct. So, which is great. You never know because our writing staff, you know, I've, they've been rumbling a little bit down there in the, in the writing room. Uh, I have an email here from James Joseph Dillon, who is the... Editor, I think the editor of Battle Space, which we talked about that online magazine. Oh yes, fantastic! Um, like we mentioned it last time, and it is it is great. You know what? I went back and I looked at the website again, and i I was sort of confused by it last time for some reason. I I don't know
1: why. Because you're easily confused. And I guess
0: that's it. But it's actually very clear. You can download the magazine in PDF format, mm-hmm. or you can look at it online in live Flash turning format. the page format that's what i was tra- trying to tell yes. i didn't know it was a
1: flash yeah. i don't know the word for
0: that yeah so um and it, and it comes in the reason why there are several is because it comes in different resolutions so if you have a, a slower internet connection want to look at the flash you can do that but if you have a high speed connection and get a little bit better experience you can watch the flat the larger file faster one and it's an amazingly good magazine and he has been kind enough to invite us to write an article for him about squad leader and um as soon as we learn something about Squad Leader, we're going to do that. <laughs> but first, we're going to have to learn how to write. But thank you, James Dillon, and we in- encourage everybody to go look at uh, the Battlespace website.
1: Absolutely. And we have one from Andy. He says, I stumbled across your podcast and enjoyed listening to your last one. Back in the day, he had everything, but he gave it away. I want to paraphrase a bit. Long letter. And he, again, states, as a lot of listeners have, he's irritated with MMP for several reasons. Why? Second edition rulebook's not available. Hmm. Why is it charging for a rulebook in the first place when other publishers put their rules online for free? Hmm. Didn't, I don't know about, I never thought about that. Yeah, they
0: do. That's true. MMP
1: could think about it. They're better to judge than I am what's beneficial for the company. Yeah. Second, a lot of modules are out of production, so... And as we've stated before, um, use Matthias's dependency chart, and
0: that will help you in your buying um, decisions. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I I'd never really thought about that they could because a lot of GMT, for instance, and uh, Fantasy Flight, they publish all of their rules for all of their games uh, online. You can download the PDFs and read them. Of course, you can't play the game. You got to buy the game to play it. But at least you have the rule book. So I don't know. I mean, in a way, that makes sense with Squad Leader because um, everybody could download the rules and decide if they wanted to do it. Maybe it's maybe it's a trap.
1: Maybe it's they a trap. They want to get
0: people to buy it because a lot of people will buy it and go, oh, my God, I could never learn to play this. But at least MMP has their money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it would be... Very intimidating, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think that Starket thinks a great idea. Yeah, but, and I also would tell Andy have some have some faith in Chaz. Think produc- yes. production has gone through the roof. Yes, with Chaz over at the helm, and he also uh, wrote later. We did a little email exchange, and he said that he ha- is a teacher, and he had a little time uh, this summer to catch up on some of the podcast, and that he is an ex paratrooper from the military and i was just thought that was super cool that is cool a paratrooper kindergarten teacher yeah you oh, go a kindergarten teacher kindergarten teacher. teacher wow you go dude yeah that is cool yeah
0: <laughs> You'd be messing with him <laughs> get in your
1: seat boys and girls yes <laughs> so anyway i think that's gonna be it for Letters. Thank you,
0: everybody, for writing. We love to hear from you, and if you've got any suggestions to how to make our show better, we would love to hear those because
1: we don't know what to do. We are,
0: we're we're at a loss. We don't think this is really going to catch on. Fifty-four episodes. You know, I'm beginning to think, eh, this is not going to catch on.
1: Hey, we've broke eighty thousand hits. Yeah, how about that? That's fantastic. Like, I'm going to reach across the desk oh, and high slap Your hand. We're high five.
0: Down low. <gasps> Too slow. Too slow. Wow. Let's have a little uh, Modelo. There you go, a Modelo. I drink, drink to your health. May we to have the show. May we make one hundred eighty thousand more?
1: Hmm. And may we have more donations? Oh, I didn't say that.
0: All righty, boys and girls. You know, some other. I listen to some other podcasts, and they're very careful about not asking for donations. Oh, Sorry. You know, it's. I, I don't. Doesn't bother me. Oh, good. Sure. Send us. Send us some <laughs> donations. We like it. We actually have some expenses coming up. We've got to pay for our uh, bandwidth for the next year coming up here pretty soon.
1: And it's time sure for what you've been playing lately. Okay.
0: Hey, wait, would you hand me that uh, sheet over there, Dave?
1: I will. Uh, it's turn two. Yeah. Uh, that? That's fine. Did you write that down? Yeah. I did. I have the Queen's prequel. Mike Lemke's first full ASL game, moving those star, uh, star-kip guys it's into becoming full. a young man.
0: Yeah.
1: How about that? This one had board 14 and 17, but I think one of them was, I know, one of them was the airport, airfield board, and I love that board. And you roll randomly to place a bunch of counter wrecks of airplanes around. With If you roll one, it's a blazing wreck. Two to four, a wreck is placed. Five or six, no wreck is placed. So now, you, you could have
0: picked any scenario um, to play with Mike as a, For introductory
1: purposes, why did you pick this one? Because, as people know, (laughs) I like to play in order, but I couldn't find anything from the last journal or the new journal, and I'm playing the Lefranc Tour Russian Revolution stuff with Dave Timonen. Mm -hmm. You and I are doing Mm Bocage MMP pack, AP. So I had to find something. So I quickly looked at the Swedes pack and... uh, I offered him one of those and this one from out of the. Oh, no, this is OA, Out of the Attic. Out of the Attic? Yeah, these are Out of the Attic, not Out of the Bunker. I thought they were from Out of the Bunker. Mm -hmm. We did those last show. Out of the Attic, uh, number two. And the Queen's Prequel, four and a half turns long. You can Ah. easily teach somebody Mm -hmm. while you're playing. You've got all infantry except a couple of AA guns, going from starter kit to to guns i think is pretty simple yeah believe it or not uh all the mechanisms are the same the strategies are basically the same yeah maybe i'm missing something write us and tell us and he so there you go simple short fun they're all fun and i managed to eke out a victory in the last hex, as he came into close combat, the building he had to control by the airfield. Sadly, the airfield doesn't come into play much. It sits behind the victory building, mm. but it could. And if you get a wind change and blow smoke, it could, it could change everything dramatically also mm. from the burning wrecks. Mm-hmm. So I recommend the pre- Queen's prequel. He thought it was a great game and he thought it was very tight. Uh, I miffed up the setup. If you're in a setup. Uh, As the German, in the front line, there's buildings on the left that are isolated. Like an idiot, I did that again. I set up in these two buildings, isolated. He set up across the street, prep fired, pinned one of the two guys, and then he just started coming across the street. He wisely moved a man from the hex directly in front of my left squad. He moved it. Instead of coming straight across the street so I could first fire, or uh, um. Well, he moved, so I had a first fire adjacent. You know, mm-hmm. Always do that. Move straight over, force a first fire adjacent, and then he broke them eventually, and they were isolated, so they ended up being wiped out. Ah. And it's, don't make that mistake. Ignore those buildings. <laughs> yeah. There's other places to be where you can catch these guys in the open ground on the Queens prequel if you ever play it. And you've been playing? I hope to. Uh, actually, I've I've had my own mic time.
0: Uh, while he actually Mike is in China, I think right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we haven't finished this scenario, but we got started on this. This is from the um, ASL Starter Kit Expansion Number One. So it came out after oh, Starter yeah. Kit Three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is called N four six three. The scenario it's scenario S fifty, which uh, takes place in France in nineteen forty four. Uh, Germans against the fighting the French. And, excuse me, I took the side of the Germans, Mike took the side of the French, and it looked pretty simple. Uh, It's basically the Germans need to advance and capture some buildings and things. Uh, But this is on board S, and there's a bottleneck on board S of woods about a third of the way up the board. Mm -hmm. And he actually was playing a forward defense, so he put his tanks in front of these woods, and I oh. needed to—I needed to get to the, you know, through the bottleneck. Um, but he put him in front of the woods, and my huge uh, Jagdpanzers came out and sort of blew his tanks up, several of his tanks up, very early on. Uh and I was feeling kind of bad. Yeah, don't feel bad. I know, I can't help you it.
1: Do your share of losing, don't you? Uh,
0: but I was, and and I even said something to him. I said because <laughs> I was feeling bad. I said, you know, Mike, you know, maybe you should have put your tanks back behind the bottleneck and wait for me to come through there because I I couldn't get through the woods if I'm going to make it. Um, And he said, yeah, you know, and we kept playing anyway. Well, I started going through the bottleneck. He still had plenty of stuff. And now I'm scrambling. (laughs) I I was feeling all cocky. But I drove my first Jagdpanzer through there, and he had a hidden AT gun, just a fifty seven l but he caught me broadside with that thing.
2: <laughs> so he's, now I'm scrambling.
0: He's a good player. He's a good player. He plays a lot of different games, and uh, his, his squad leader playing is actually quite good. But I thought this was kind of funny in a sick sort of way. Um, this scenario was designed by Chris Olden. And here are the victory conditions. Remember, this is a starter kit scenario. Listen to these victory conditions because you know what I fan I am of victory (laughs) conditions. The Germans win at game end by having good order, multi-man counters, or AFVs with a line of sight to the road that runs I-1 through K-5, I-6 through I-10, provided that those units and their functioning non-captured weapons can apply a total of greater than or equal to 21 fire points to hypothetical attacks versus any hex or hexes of that road configuration, disregarding rate of fire, and all the point-blank, triple-point-blank fire, extra firepower. A shocked, uh, a shocked or UK? Uh, unconfirmed kill. Unconfirmed kill, AFV. I'm a fine uh, vehicle. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Provides no uh, firepower. FP. F- firepower? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> For an AFV's... Firepower to count the road hex must be within the AFE's CA. The MA is worth six. The main armament? I'm halfway through
1: the victory conditions. (laughs) No way. I am. Look at this. see that. Oh, he is. He is. The
0: victory, it's like a fold-out.
1: (laughs) A Panzer Shrek is worth 12 firepower, but it must be within three hexes. Well, he's really just giving examples. That would look good in bullet point, wouldn't it? set a paragraph form. it. would look good with look just maybe the first 20 words.
0: <laughs> if they could reduce this to 20. It's
1: okay, too heavy so when in the you, victory When condition. you encounter those, right, you go through them line by line and look at what it means on the board. Okay. And then you get it in your head and you go, yeah, oh, right. I get it. I just have to keep this road, a lot of stuff from being able to fire at the road. Yeah. And then you, That's true. you worry about the firepower later, specifically maybe, yeah. maybe later. But, yeah.
0: And actually, I, I so I make fun of it. And actually, once you read through it, once or twice it is quite simple so two two things to remember one is don't let the victory conditions overwhelm you because they're oh. actually not that bad mm-hmm. and the second it is if a guy's going to put his tanks forward of the bottleneck just let him and shut up and <laughs> just play because
1: <laughs> <laughs> all is fair in love and war and i have prelude to dying dave timon and i played this one and i lost with the croatians it appears from my notes This was a fairly large one. It's all infantry, though, with some light mortars. And you have the Croatians want to exit points off the west edge in a certain area or make a lot of combat points more than the partisans. And so uh, I had the Croatians. And what was neat about this one is the, the partisans are set up. And... The Croatians start to come across, and then there's two groups of Croatians that enter one on each of two different roads for farther apart. So they enter to join the reinforcements to try and go, you know, get off. And then two groups of partisans enter behind them like they're tailing them, Uh which is cool. But that area they enter on is wide. It's like a quarter of the board or goes around a corner or something, and so it's possible to move those on. And in different ways to cut them off. That's the Croatian reinforcement group, or tail them, and when they break, hit them from behind. So I kind of like that aspect of the game, and I enjoyed the game. So Pre- who do Stein, you think J one twelve?
0: Who do you think is more likely to win, the Parisians or the Crustaceans in that one? The Crustaceans, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah, they have claws. Cr- yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and lesson for Lair, Is this the one we just played? Yeah, it is the one okay. we played. I didn't know it had a name. Um, this was fun. This, this is AP what? This is uh, AP35. Hedgerows. Yes, hedgerows. Uh, this is from uh, the pack with a lot of, well, are all these from Ian Daglish?
1: No, they're not all not from him, but them, a lot a, of them were from Ian. This
0: particular one is from Ian. Very short victory conditions. It's like six words. Oh, I love that. We'll read it just um, for fun. The Germans win at game end by controlling greater than or equal to seven building locations on board 54.
1: There you go. Yep, and now that one, I remember I set up forward with the Americans. Yes, yeah, you played the Americans. And it was a question of should I try and hold those front buildings that I didn't need yeah. or fall back or, or just set up further back. Yeah, And I remember I moved forward through the hedgerows on the left and got up and got one of your tanks. We're trying to do that half-track rules we've been playing with half-tracks. Right, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to play this scenario, but
0: also it fell nicely into into Dave's uh, lineup of scenarios. But (laughs) we wanted to play something that had scenarios in it so we could practice those rules. And I would say I did a very poor job. Um, I did better the second half. We took two nights to play play. because we had gone over the half-track rules. And we talked too much. Uh, Yeah.
1: Which Um, is the whole point of being, I like to play. It's a social thing. It is. (laughs) No, you like to play because it's calming.
0: It's calming. It's very relaxing. I can put my feet up. Uh, but I didn't handle my half tracks well in this well, game, and you had a very good defense. Your your placement of your thank you. bazookas.
1: Yeah, sneaking, a along, the, a hedge sneaking roll, along the hedgerow, sneaking along the ropes, getting a the side. They were hard to take out, and then I backed up and yeah. I fell back. And then, and then, of course, the American gets those reinforcements coming in. So I think right. we were, Well, we
0: both had reinforcements coming in, but um, you you blew up a tank and a half track on one road and cr- kind of created a roadblock for me. It's. We'll slow down a I bit. really had a hard time slowing down, and plus you had a you had a tank at the end of that
1: road, so yeah, hidden. Yep, and so, bocage at the end, mm-hmm. looking down the lane, mm-hmm. keep your infantry from running down there, and and of course the American reinforcements really throws it, and I fell back across the road. I started to fall back yep. in time. And I usually yes. make that mistake. I usually don't fall back in time, and I fell back in time, and oh, we also have to keep a road clear. In the back. But yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was a special rule. Right. But uh so sort of Americans like, can kinda of come around the ends to try and so Jeff had to also make sure I didn't get around him in these hedgerows. And right. it, you know, I had a nice tight knit, really hedge y feel about it. I it felt. really did, yeah. You know, you're almost fighting in these little separate zones. And yeah you can quickly jump from one zone to the other as you're playing bocage. Yeah. So But it was tough because uh of course the half tracks
0: can't go through Correct. Bocage, so I was cut off in a lot of my routes. So I, I just happen to think I could have pushed a tank through, and that creates a breach in the bocage, doesn't it?
1: No, or I think it? you do have to have, do that. You, no, you have I'd to. I have, have to have, that. have one of those Cullen things, yeah, which I did, but we never used because I was. So on even the though I drove
0: a tank through that, it doesn't.
1: No, create a path. I do not believe so. We have to double check. There's her. path
0: rules for tanks in woods. Isn't yes, there? in
1: woods you'll create a path. Yeah. a little counter. Yeah, not in the bocage. Not in
0: bocage. Hmm.
1: Yeah It has to be a Cullen Hedgerow device for sure. Yeah. For sure. That's why they exist. The Cullen Hedgerow device. The Cullen Hedgerow device. They sell
0: them at Home Depot.
1: I bought one and plowed it through my neighbor's house. <laughs> I had a friend, Jim, he, he, once he was saying he had this neighbor and, you know, he, he would mow a little into his yard, like, Oh, he mowed a couple of strips into the yard for me. How nice he mowed. And I started to think, I think he's trying to claim part of my (laughs) land. So then when he would mow, he would mow back to the left a little more and go a a row into the neighbor's yard and reassert his dominance of his territory. Just wondered if anyone else out there did that. (laughs)
0: I'll bet a lot of people do that. If I mow it, it's mine. That's that's fair?
1: If I mow your lawn, it's mine. It is fair. That is what we've been playing lately. That's some it. good scenarios. And the music I for that? don't have any. We don't have any music for that. Okay.
2: Hey, Jeff, Dave, this is Pierce Ostrander. Um, thought I'd give you an update as, on my adventures as I uh, re-entered ASL here after over 20 years off. Uh, this is my first full year back, 2011. Went to the Winter Offensive. Um, I have picked up, uh, found uh, some opponents here in Maryland. Uh, I realized, I guess I knew all along, but I finally uh, got in the car and drove up to MMP on a Tuesday night uh, to participate in the Tuesday night play test sessions. So I've been playing regularly up at MMP, and it's been a whole heck of a lot of fun. Uh, What's great is to have uh, Perry there. Uh, You never need to bring your rule book. Just look up and ask a question. And I've been playing against Chaz a number of times, and there's a whole bunch of other great guys that show up there every Tuesday night to Uh, plow through some of these new scenarios and and give them a whirl. So that's been a lot of fun. The other thing is I I got down to the ASL Bitter Ender, and, uh, hey, it's a great little tournament down in North Carolina. Uh, I just want to highly recommend it to everyone out there who's uh, anywhere near North Carolina. A lot of the guys from D.C. make it down. Uh, Jim Bishop was there this year, uh, as well as Gary Fortenberry. Um, I made it down from the D.C. area. And then there's a whole bunch of folks from around the South, a smaller tournament, 30, 40 guys, uh, this year. Uh, but man, it's fantastic. It's cheap. Uh, the hotel rooms are inexpensive, especially if you split it, they got a fantastic full breakfast. And the level of play is, was really, really good. I just really enjoyed myself uh, playing there. Uh, had a fantastic time, uh, played through five rounds and, uh, played some, some great guys. I played uh, Mika Harviala uh, in the final, um, and I had an opportunity uh, to play a bunch of other great guys, too. So, hey, I uh, just want to highly recommend that tournament. Um, you guys give a lot of attention to the Open and uh, to asloc uh, as they are both do. Uh, but there's a lot of other little tournaments around the country, regional things that uh, can be a great time to get together and play as well. So keep up the good work. And once again, roll low and rally well.
0: Bye. Very nice voicemail from Pierce. Thank you for calling in and leaving a message on our voicemail. And you're right.
1: There are more tournaments than we can get to. So if anybody out there maybe wants to do some reporting, as we've had done before by our roving reporters, Mm -hmm. think about it. Let us know. Or even call in and give a little, little clip like that. Sure. Call in from a
0: tournament. Call in after a tournament. Call in to promote your tournament. Whatever you like. there's. A, I know there's a lot of good ones coming up still this summer. Um, St. Louis tournament is coming up, I know. The That'll be Texas, over by the time you heard this. Yeah, Texas probably. Texas, too. Texas, but, too.
1: Yeah. Right. Tons of them.
0: But if you had a time machine, you could go back in time and go to those tournaments. <laughs> and a lot of great guys. And, yeah, I bet Perry Cocklight like, really likes to have people come up to him and say, Hey, Perry, I didn't bring my rule book, but um, <laughs> since you're standing there, what is the rule about...
1: He does. He's a very helpful guy.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. We should invite him to my bar mitzvah. Yeah, we should. Yeah.
1: But that would he'd have to go back in the past for that, too. Yes, he would. So, now it's time for... What's in the box? Or in this case, a fold-over cover and a cellophane baggie. <laughs>
0: Somehow that doesn't sound as uh, attractive as what's in the box. Well, I was on MMP's website.
1: Hey, we're still in the box. Get us out. Okay, we got We're coming out of the box. I was on MMP's website and they had, had a chat. I looked at Chaz, Chaz's blog and some people were asking about the, the fold over. Did they like it? Did they not? Some guys were and said oh, they wanted to keep it because in in the package, or I mean, have it still be produced with the next AP action pack. Because they keep things in there, like a little folder, and they like that. And Chaz pointed out most guys put them in the three ring binders. With yeah. The, so he didn't wasn't sure it was useful anymore. Um, was one of the discussions. And what's in the box? People have so many opinions.
0: And yeah, what was in the box? Though this is uh, oh, this is out of the bunker.
1: This is the out of the bunker. What's in the box? Yeah. As last time we did out of the attic or sometime before that. Out of the bunker, into the fire. You know, before, you, before you get to that, Jeff, look we'll at yeah. these two boards for me. Sure. 36, and what else? Hand those Four. over. And 36. That's right. Okay. Two board 36. mm mm-hmm. Sixes. Now compare okay. those two boards.
0: One of them, I'm going to notice one? the differences. One of them yeah. is, a, is a heavy cardboard board. Mm-hmm. With a map mounted on it. Which one, just looking at it quickly, do you
1: like better? The heavy cardboard mounted board. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I so I realized yeah. I, I was digging out these boards to play one of those games we just talked about, probably, and realized hey, yeah. the old board 36 is better it actually than does the look, starter kit board yeah, 36. It does look and look at the woods. There's more detailing in the woods. Yeah, it's. And it's it's
0: more carnivorous looking, <laughs>
1: yeah, whereas
0: the whereas the, the woods on the
1: new board looks more like um, moss. It does. It's just yeah. too dark. And I even liked the grass color on the old board better. It's a little yeah. brighter. And it's the contrast brighter. of the
0: colors for the hills, I think, is better on the old board. And the new ones look muddy. You know, it's easy. The easiest thing in the world is to be a critic.
1: After something's you know, made.
0: And somebody else is doing all this work, and here we are criticizing it but well, it is true. Jeff, it's true it's, it's
1: totally fair for me to do that because i have painted all of these boards to myself by hand so i did all the work <laughs> of remaking the boards you did yes i didn't know F- that yeah fluorescent colors they yeah, really awesome. stand out when wow. you're
0: doing certain things how come how come i don't know what you're talking about i feel like i came in in the middle of a conversation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you said it's easy to criticize when you haven't done the work. And oh, I and said, have, I have done the you work. You have done the work. Yes, I have done the work. Just because they didn't use my board versions. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd point that out. Something yeah, was lost in the translation, yeah. but here's the trick. If you take other boards, as MMP points out, they're not as nice looking as this 36 bright with the woods and all. Yeah. There's all the different colored grass, summer, dull, like autumn. Yeah. So I'm not saying don't buy the, the new boards. No. I fit boards like one through, I think, 52 or something, all in the Beyond Valor box. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Takes up that's, a lot less space. That's compact.
0: Which so. is nice. They And they lay nice. Um, yeah, I think um, on the Battle School website, I believe, they do a comparison of two boards. And the newer board, they talk about how much better the newer board is than the older board. I can't remember which board it is. We might, I might look it up uh, in a minute while... While you're talking and I'm not paying attention, mm-hmm. um, but you're right. I'm glad you actually. I'm glad you brought this up because it is very interesting. The um, although the lettering, of course, of the white in the woods for the very, much easier to see on the new board. I was just going to mention that. Yeah,
1: yeah, but yeah, interesting. Interesting that you agreed with me right away because we did not pre yeah, re- plan that never, by any means. No, we didn't.
0: We never rehearsed this show. That would be too much no. too professional. No, 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 no. don't want to do that. <laughs> and so. Out of the Bunker. So why is this pack called Out of the Bunker? Where did this come from?
1: Previous packs of things. Oh,
0: okay. So it's a collection of pre-done of scenarios that were done in the past? Yeah. Was the, that it? The
1: Out of the Bunker guys published, published dispatches from the bunker. Mm-hmm. Okay. These are from the dispatches from the bunker, which was a, a newsletter Published uh, often biannually by Vic Provost, ah, oh, and, and it had yeah. a bunch of scenarios in it. I did not get this set. Uh, I don't know. I guess by '97, I wasn't obsessively buying all the newsletters and hmm. things that were coming out. Um, or I, I don't think I heard of it f- actually for a while. But it uh, is, is that long-running newsletter from New England, and it was uh, one of the longest continuously published ASL newsletters, and had scenarios. And I think it may still be in production. I'm looking at mark the cabbage's site thank you mark. thank you mark for keeping up with all of that so anyway mmp took a bunch of these and reprinted 14 scenarios in this little pack called out of the bunker and we have it now
0: did you get these just recently
1: yes i did with oh. the uh, whole that whole post that stuff. stuff. okay you got from alex key yes yeah. indeed ding good And i have ob1 riding the coattails this is a poland a polish a scenario set in poland with the slovakians and the poles fighting together on board 42 all 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 infantry except for the very famous takzanka which is this horse-drawn machine gun or AA kind of gun on a cart hmm i've played with those before also of course you have. And it's it's nice and short. I think most of these we found are good for the tournaments or Pastel Club and so on.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've got one here called First Crack at Hells of Poppin' Ridge. Hells of Why wouldn't you want to play a scenario called that? You'd have to. I think that's really nice. This OB-9. Japanese Who designed
1: yours, sorry. First
0: American. This is a Vic Provost oh. original. Hells of Poppin' Ridge in Bougainville... Um,
1: That's in France, right?
0: Well, it's against the Japanese. So oh wait, they're fighting French.
1: Sorry, it's oh, the Japanese section of Paris. Bougainville. <laughs> the quarter. Yeah, where is I, Bougainville I, is it a separate country. Oh no, they're going to all be. It's in the Solomon's Islands campaign. Oh uh, yeah, I know this. Wait, it's it's in the Solomon Islands campaign. Nineteen forty-three. You got a year on it? It is nineteen forty-three. Yes, yes. yes, very good. I got it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, King Solomon's Islands. I saw that movie. <laughs> this
1: is mine.
0: Um, so, yeah, Japanese against Americans, and this one, being from out of the bunker, has a, not a bunker, but a pillbox in it, which I always like. couple pillboxes, cool. which I like on the Japanese side, eight, eight trench counters, which are I, I like doing the pillboxes on the trenches. When I was playing uh, PTO with Joe, we had a very good time with those. Love running along. I love imagining it as the guys are moving out, as they're moving along those trenches. Yeah. That's really cool. I like it, too. Yeah. And uh, the Americans, on the other hand, uh, don't have any trenches or pillboxes, but they do have foxholes. Do you ever take time during a scenario to dig a foxhole for for infantry to hide in or whatnot? Mm,
1: no, I don't. Now there was a very early scenario. We talked about it. From paratrooper or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Where the Americans had to exit on one road hex. And I was at my first ass lock long ago, and the guy, I played a guy, in and he ran back there and started digging in on that one hex. And uh, he pointed out, yeah, it's kind of a sleaze move. If you dig in on this one hex, the German has to exit on it. So. Oh it's worth doing because yeah. you got cover and he's got to fight his way all the way there and then there you are in the middle of the road and i would always defend that road by sitting in the house on the side and the bushes or trees on the other side yeah you know not thinking of that so there's one case but i don't usually don't have time some scenarios may be designed that way yeah a second line of troops that have time to do that
0: mm-hmm. yeah think about
1: that never do what else you got Uh, Suburbs of Sedan, and now that's France, Sedan, Sedan, Sedan. It's designed by Vic Provost in 1940. Early war, no tanks, though, but it's got the good old pillboxes and trenches and wire, and it has infantry, light mortars. Uh, Germans do have flamethrowers and DCs coming on. This one runs eight turns, so this might take two nights. I don't know. Germans got 14 plus unit so it could depends how quickly you play
0: here's the men from Zedig by Carl uh, Noguera I believe his name is I know he's done a lot of a lot of scenarios Stuff, yeah. Yeah, I've seen his cool. name uh, Paris 1944 this is the French resistance against the Germans of course and this is uh, just four and a half turns and um kind of sad I, I always feel like these victory conditions are sad. the Germans win at game end if there are no unbroken partisan multi-man counters in a building so you know you can win if you can just keep one guy unbroken yeah but otherwise it's it's kind of a depressing thing for the French to have to do but there's there's only two French squads uh, sorry six French squads of um, two five two sevens and four three three sevens and then a hero. And they're fighting against ten Germans, um, including uh, five trucks. Ah, trucks. we got to do trucks. And a couple of small tanks that enter later on. So, tough one. Kind of uh, kind of sad for the French, but as long as they hang on there.
1: They could do it. Viva I have, France. I have Brash Encounter. Also in France, 1940, early war, with some... French AMD 35 vehicles, I don't know what that AMD stands for, I've played those before also, yeah, 25LL gun, 5 turns, half a board of 19, and however, 6 overlays, and I know a lot of people were also saying on the Chaz blog, they were looking forward to that overlay pack because they just skip scenarios like this, because it has overlays. You know, I
0: can see, I, I actually can see wh- why people would be upset for not having the overlays. I mean, for crying out loud, how hard would it be to print
1: overlays uh, and offer those up for they're, free? They're going to do it well. Why not do it for free? Do it on your website and print them out. But yeah, but they are going to do a pack. Get those out. Yeah. Okay. It's designed by Ralph McDonald. A very small unit density, so it should be a real quick play game, OB3.
0: It's easy for me to spend other people's money. Why don't they do that for free?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You're going to put them out of business. Uh,
0: This is Avril Action, and uh, it's called that because it takes place in April in France. Oh, no, it doesn't. It's September 8th, but Avril is French for April. is it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway. Uh, Scenario by Stephen Johns. Five and a half turns. Elements of the 1st Battalion. So uh, Americans against the Germans pretty simple scenario set up it must I'd have to see the board 46 half of board 46 so this is a nice little scenario you could play in an evening one of those beer and pretzels sort of things mm-hmm. so I don't know I can eat. I can eat an awful lot of pretzels during five and a half turns <laughs> so I don't know if you, if you could possibly have enough but um so the Americans just have a couple of six six sevens and three six six sixes man that's it and then an AT gun the Germans have only a couple of squads, a couple of elite squads, uh, 8 three eights, and then four five four eights. Then they get uh, a couple of tanks and a couple of uh, half-tracks. So, six half-tracks. So, I don't know. Sounds pretty tough for the Americans. Uh, Germans win at game end if there are no good order of Americans. Oh, it's like my last one. These are kind of a downer. No good order Americans within three hexes of this hex on port 46.
1: So, uh, sad but true. And I have OB four, Headhunting for Bloody Huns on Crete. And yes, it's an airdrop by the Germans Ooh. on the New Zealanders on three deluxe boards, large hexes, mm. and it has six half squad armed civilian counters that also come in here somehow. Wow. And who
0: designed this one?
1: This was by Tom Morin. Six turns mm. though, I'll bet this is pretty playable. Yeah. Uh, looks good. I, I actually like unique. the airdrops. I know other people don't. Yeah,
0: but. yeah. It gives you, actually those are fun. It gives you a chance to try some stuff. You know, obviously you don't, you're not going to be playing that every time, but uh, adds a little variety. Sure does, which we like. This is Block at Ville-sur-Ion, probably Ville-sur-Ion, in France, September thirteenth, nineteen forty-four, by Stephen Johns, seven and a half turns. The Free French against the Germans. The poor, free French. Uh, The Germans win at game end by getting victory points and controlling some buildings. These are boards, 19 and 42. Uh, uh, The French gets uh, about 10 squads and some leaders, uh, but plenty of machine guns and bazookas and mortars and six foxholes, which I always like, and a couple of half-tracks, but they've got to go up against some elite German units along with a couple of trucks and a couple of half-tracks. So uh, we should play this Oh, no, we can't play this, Dave. I don't know why I'm telling you. We're, this would be out of order to play this, <laughs> but
1: I'd like to get my hands in these half tracks. Now we that we've could, done some half track We track could rules. break break train, and we could play that one. Yeah, Just I know you're
0: not, you're not that.
1: No, you're not that militant about it. No, but it is nice to keep playing those hedgerows, right? Was we still have to reread some of that? Every I time.
0: know. Now I'm wondering about that. Um, if if a tank will break a hedgerow and put a a breach through it, so I got to look that up.
1: And I have OB5, I don't think I can. Clearing Kamienka, which is in the Soviet Union 1941. It's a large game for sure. Looking at maybe 20 German units, not counting the vehicles. And 7.5 and turns, though, so that, I kind of like that. Get a lot of stuff moving here. Uh, definitely large. And it has OBA in it also. And I'm going to put these two together, OB-6 and OB-7. Why? Because look at that terrain, Jeff, up there in that picture.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a terrain.
1: No, the terrain. Oh, that looks like desert. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Board's 25, 27, 28 for OB-7. Crisis at Casserine Pass. So that's obviously the Americans against the Germans and Italians. It's massive. It's 12 turns, so this is a big one. That's a two-night one for sure. And when was the last time you got some new um, desert scenarios to play?
0: Yeah, it's pretty rare. Yeah,
1: OB-6 is yeah. first clash in Tunisia.
0: That's true. Twice. You almost never see new scenarios for desert.
1: Yeah, but anyway, this is four-and-a-half turns, very manageable, so if you haven't played desert rules and you can get a hold of them somewhere, start out with that one. By Tom Moran. Both of these.
0: Pursuing Kobayashi, and incidentally, Koya- Kobayashi is the means "small forest" in Japanese. It does. Yeah, I know a lot of. I know a lot of form. Kobayashi.
1: Yeah, I can play the Japanese national anthem. Can you? Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Remember this, Jeff. I play.
0: Gets the, uh, you can, you can stop that now. Oh, really? Uh, No more. No, no. I'm glad you brought your hand, uh, pipe organ with you. I did. Yeah, your portable pipe organ. Boy, that's quite a catchy tune. It really stirs the blood. It does. Doesn't it? Uh, Pursuing Kobayashi. This is a Vic Provost. North, uh, it takes place north of Wawa Dam, Luzon in the Philippines, May 1945. Uh, six and a half turns. Japanese, you know, none of these are very big scenarios. It's nice. These are all very... Well, except for the two that I had. Yeah, you had two big ones. All of the all of the ones that I had were very small, even in the number of units. You know, this this only has five, six, seven, eight, you know, ten units on it on each side. So uh, pretty easy to set up. And uh, going against the Americans, the Americans win it game in by amassing more victory points than the Japanese. Well, that's hard to I do. I could have guessed that. I could have <laughs> guessed that. And I always like the uh, PTO because almost always the EC are wet. Environmental conditions
1: are wet. And kindling is N.A. Yep, hard when it's wet. Yeah. And I have OB-8, Unhappy Trails, the Numa Numa Trails in Bougainville, 1943. This one's unique in that it's played in two parts. There's part one. On board thirty four hex rows B to K and a part two board thirty four same board wow. clear it off start again hex rows L to U very unique I like it yeah. I like the look of it uh, it's five turns I haven't played how, it yet how,
0: but do, how does that work
1: it's by Vic Provost uh, the special you played, rule like, two is two separate games yeah at the end of part one clear the map and set up part two. Oh, I see it's played only with the OB and map area specified for the part being played so he does specify hmm. in the OB. Which ones to use? It's like the world's smallest campaign Zone. game. It is, yes, it is. It's a one-page right. campaign game. It I is. like that. I like it. Yeah.
0: Dumb. It's like the one-page dungeons that uh, people put out for Dungeons and Dragons—an entire dungeon crawl on one, one page. One page. Yeah. Now I have one more, but I'm not going to read it. Okay. If you want to know what it is, oh. you got to buy the pack. Oh. oh, no. Yeah, but well, you don't have to because you already bought it. I pack. already did. Yeah. But I'm not telling you out there in Radio Land.
3: Okay, boys and girls, it's Terrain Time!
1: Yay! It's Terrain Time, Jeff!
0: One of my favorite times of day. What does that mean? I've never heard that before. (laughs) Well, we'll have to make up something. No, that's a new feature that we have on the two half-squads. We call it Terrain Time. It's where we open the rule book sort of at random and sort of at random pick something at random. Yep.
1: And we talk about it. Anything except bocage. Yes, please. And guess what it is? It's 4.14 in section B, of course, terrain. Yeah, terrain. And it is the shunken road,
0: the sunken road. Sunken. Uh, so, what about sunken roads, Dave? Well, can you describe them for me? Sunken roads are relatively narrow slits carved out of natural depressions in the ground, and have steeper sides than a gully. So that's important. Okay. Sunken roads steeper than a gully. Think that ever comes into play? But go ahead. No, probably not. A hex such as fourteen T three, containing a road symbol bordered on two sides by a uh, two tone brown contour lines, with the
1: darker contours on the outside. Okay, It's a sunken road. And you can remember that because when you're playing on a hill, the darker is higher. Right. So if the darker's on the outside of the road, it means it's sunken. Right. If it's on the inside, it means it's elevated. Correct. Okay.
0: A sunken road is a minus one, a neg one level depression hex. That is a unit in it is one level lower than it would be if the sunken road were not present.
2: Right, it's
0: down there, it's down down there, there. just like a gully or any other depression hex, right? Right, so if units were shooting along across the top, they would shoot right over the heads
1: of the guys down in the sunken road.
0: Unless you're in a hex that's, I'm already going into some of the rules, but unless you're a hex (laughs) that's that's adjacent, that would look down into the road, you could see down into,
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So that sort of makes sense.
1: Now, is that considered open ground down in there? If you're just getting a free shot Ooh. along the road, or well, uh, yeah, I guess it would be
0: open ground if you're looking down the road at it. If you can see them, then yeah, it's open ground. Sure. Yes. Sure. It oh would yeah. be. Oh yeah. Absolutely, Dave.
1: And what would it cost to move along the road from road hex to road hex? Well, road rate. Any th- regular road rage. Reg- regular road rate. Road <laughs> road
0: rage. Yes. So, what if they
1: had road rage on the, during World War II? Oh yes, they did. Yeah,
0: like you're you're an American guy and you're you're fighting a German guy in a tank. Uh, two guys in yeah, tanks, just, and you're just, that that other guy is like, look at that German guy. He's driving like a maniac.
1: <laughs> you swivel your turret. <laughs> yeah, so moving down the road, normal road costs now. If you're moving through a non-road hex side. Then okay. infantry and cavalry entering a sunken road hex through a non-road hex side. Do it at a cost of two. So you can go down into two. the sunken road. Cost two. Cost Just two. Just like a gully. And be careful you don't trip on the way down. No, it's a steeper side, you know, than going. Yes, yeah, steeper than a gully. And there's no cost for leaving the road other than, what's the normal penalty for going up to a higher elevation? Twice the... Uh, Cost of terrain. That is correct. So
0: well, if you're going up into open ground, it's just two. And what about vehicles? Vehicles going up and down. Out of a sunken may road. May they
1: go up and down the non road hex sides? Ooh, I'm going to say no. I don't think a tank could
0: go up one full level on a very steep. And a very steep. Because they're steeper
1: co- than gullies. You are correct. They and could go out right. of a gully, right? I do believe so, yes. yes. So that's the difference yeah, between they, a
0: gully and a, and a
1: sunken road. And that's why they specified very steep, so I take it back about yeah. not making a difference. It does. Okay. And, of course, moving along the road, normal stuff. Normal stuff. All Looking at Rule 4.42, all movement penalties for entering a hex containing a wreck vehicle or for changing a vehicle-covered arc across a non road hex site are doubled while in a sunken road. That, I think, I I don't know when the last time I had a vehicle try and pass a wreck, but... So, say it again. All movement point penalties for entering a hex containing a wreck vehicle... Yeah. ...or for changing a vehicle-covered arc... Okay. ...are doubled while on a sunken road. Ah, okay. So, it gives an example. It costs a tank, a crew-exposed tank, four and a half to enter a wreck hex while on a sunken road. One times two... Times two again, plus a half. What's half the? for the road because it's crew exposed. Ah, so it costs two to enter with the wreck on there. Yeah, and then it's doubled to four, and the half for the cost of terrain. There are other Got instances,
0: it. aren't there, where it's uh, more costly to go through a hex with a wreck? Is it all the time in, on a road? Yeah. Um. But is it more so if the road is uh, bounded by buildings on both sides or is anything like that? On a sunken road? No. No. On an open road with buildings on either side. Oh.
1: It's not – there's no additional – No, there's for that. the narrow lane rules. From, That's what I'm thinking From about. the uh, historical. Yeah, but now are okay. regular rules. Yes. Okay. Yes, right. now they're on regular boards. Okay.
0: And what's 4.43, Jeff? But for a vehicle uh, – question for you, because normally for, for a vehicle to go on a road up a hill – Yes. It costs extra to go up the hill. Correct. Yeah. But for a vehicle to come out of a sunken road hex onto a uh, level zero road hex, there it's not like coming oh. out, up out of a,
1: um, onto a hill. Well, it said normal cost it's for normal increasing cost. elevation,
0: so it would be. Oh, it is? Yes. All right. Using so in the, road the, in the example here, like going from this well, Y4 to W5, that's going to be like going up a hill? I shouldn't be asking. V four. Oh, is that V? V four. W five in the yes. example. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's normal. Going up a hill costs.
0: Oh, it is okay. A vehicle.
1: Yeah.
0: God, when I think of all the rules, I've played incorrectly. Oh yeah, but that's okay. Just yeah. keep playing.
1: And yeah. what's rule four point four
0: three? Uh, the sunken lane. Sunken lane, not sunken road, but sunken lane. A sunken road can be treated as a sunken lane. If so, designated by SSR. All sunken road rules apply to a sunken lane unless specified otherwise. The rules for a sunken lane are the same as those of a one-lane bridge, except that wreck removal does not apply in a sunken lane.
1: All right, and we're not going to look at one-lane bridge tonight, but I know it's something like if a vehicle went down in one direction, it's closed to traffic the other way.
0: Okay, so a sunken lane oh. is basically a narrower sunken road. Yes, indeed. So, Yes, It's easier to block with wreckage and stuff like that. Uh, And can we put entrenchments in a sunken road hex? Well, I'm glad you asked, but no. Oh. You know, maybe in the next version of the rule book they'll allow that. I thought maybe you could have, but okay, we'll go with that. Yeah. And that's it for Terrain Time. Sunken Road. You heard it here first, you'll never hear it again. You know, Jeffrey.
1: Yes? I don't want to be a school teacher. You don't? No, taking care of the little children. Rubbing their little noses with their snot in the wintertime. You're right, Dave. I can feel it. I don't want to be a computer
0: consultant anymore. Wiping the noses of all of my clients because they don't know which mouse button to click. I've had it. It's a ridiculous life. What
1: is it you'd rather do all day, Jeff? Well, I'd rather play ASL. I'd rather play ASL, too. West of Alamein. Kodobushido
0: Paratrooper Armies of Oblivion That's
1: what we'd like to do all day I play, play a cell and I'm okay. Play I play all night and I play, play all day. I move my troops, I rally well, I file my pens of falsies when opponents get too cocky. I bombard them all to hell i play a cell and i'm okay i play all night then i play all day
0: i rally well i shoot big guns i blitz my tanks a lot and if there's too much open i lay the smoke i've got
1: i play a cell and i'm okay i play all day then i play all night i shoot big guns machine guns get right and often just for fun, I'll play in Frenchman's clothing Ooh. and surrender on turn one. Ooh. I play a cell and I'm okay. okay. I, play play all all and
0: I play all night and I play all day.
1: That was a uh, thank you, everybody. And the song entry was from Randolph King. Thank you, Randolph. And thank you, Randolph. you are in the contest. Next show, we might be drawing the winner. Yes. The winner. And if anybody is still with us after that. Debacle. I like to say
0: debacle as well as indefatigable. I'm sure you do. I guess we can yeah, go on you with a, you we are... have a, We have a very nice interview. We do with uh, with Chris from Chris, from uh, Battle School. Chris Dory. And if you have not had a chance to look at his website, please walk. No, please run to uh, asl-battleschool.blogspot.com, or you can just check our website for the. The link there, and uh, Chris has. Uh, we met Chris at Aslock for the at first ASLock, time. Aslock,
1: and he gave us some of his precision dice, yes. which was the the thing that they had started with, and they were from Canada. That is correct, isn't and it? they still are from Canada,
0: <laughs> and I think they still live in Canada. And they've got a website called Sitrep Situation Report is what that stands for. A very nice website. Uh, he's just getting it going, but it's really well done, and he's going to have reports on upcoming events. They're going to be doing a lot of work with a programmed instruction for helping people learn and to learn ASL and to play it better. Because that's the key. And that is Having more fun. So uh, check out his website. It's coming along very nicely. It's beautiful already. He even sells products on there. So you might want to take a look and see if you're, he he may have something you want.
1: Boy, and I'm looking at Mark McCabbage's site again. He has the dice all shown in big pictures and... Wait lots wait 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 wait. Lots of wait. pictures.
0: Pitcavage has the Battle School
1: website on his site. Uh, yeah, he lists what it is that they started with dice. But he doesn't have our website on his site. Well, it's not a link. He doesn't do links, but he has a description of it, and he doesn't have a description of our podcast. Does he doesn't it? mention us at all. I don't. We think did he a nice interview does. with him. He's a nice guy. He actually wrote uh, about fifteen paragraphs about the dice.
0: And he doesn't mention anything about us.
1: Yeah, he says mention uh, has Mark. been made about creating nationality-specific battle dice in the future. Battle dice could end up being quite popular among ASLers, I suppose. The custom facings are able to come out.
0: So for those of you who were thinking about uh, donating to the two half-squads, we'd rather that you just wrote Mark Bitcavich and say, Mark, why don't you put the two half-squads on your website, please?
1: He always tells us because he can't link us. He says he's, he's too got, busy. He, he says could, he's too busy. He could describe us that we're an audio podcast instead of, of... the highest caliber. ASL Precision-themed dice, and he could write about who we are, where we come from. and
0: He could even embed one of our players and uh, play the uh, ASL song. Oh, I play, I play ASL and I'm okay. I play all, all night and I play all day. So, all right, enough sour grapes from us. Yeah. Let's go on with our interview with Chris...
1: And uh we'll talk to you after that. On a test. Uh, here we go. No, we're ready to go. Okay. Well, today we have another guest from our ASLOC experience. The guests keep rolling in. And you are? Chris Dory. Welcome, Chris. Nice to have you on the show. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Why are you here? Why are we here? We're here Why to are... record <laughs> interviews with Chris. <laughs> Chris is here for multiple reasons, I think. But one, he wants to play advanced squad leader. Is this your, seven, first, your first first I'll be my third. Uh-huh. Third ASLOK. Started in 07, 07. 07. 07. So.
0: And uh, how long have you been playing squad leader?
3: 78,
0: 77. Wow. Oh, the original squad original leader. Original squad
3: leader, and then when ASL came out in 86, yeah.
0: So you were like four, three years old when you started playing?
3: Three. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <been> a little <laughs> older than You look so young. <laughs> Maybe thirteen, fourteen. And yeah.
1: where are you from? Michigan, or no? From Ottawa, Ontario. Oh yeah, Ontario. Well, that's and where I
3: live now. But yeah, Ontario itself. Yeah.
1: Okay. And who do you, who did you game with earlier in your life? And then are there
3: gaming groups that you've been involved in? Or? No, there was there was just a couple of us uh, guy introduced to us in high school, and we started playing, and uh, and we played I've played with the same guy since probably early eighties. Probably now for thirty odd years or whatever it is. So, it, so it, yeah, you're Just a small group, okay. Two or three people—that's it.
1: Uh, even in Ontario, I know we we have several listeners in Canada. I didn't know if there was clubs up there. Well, there's a oh, Winnipeg gamers. Or there's a there, Winnipeg yeah.
3: club. There's there's clubs. There's currently a club in Ottawa, an informal club in Ottawa. There's clubs in various cities, but there's nothing that formal as much as you do have in the U.S. There's a lot more formalized clubs in the U.S. Okay. So it's a, it's a relatively small community. I would say it's probably about the same size as the Aussie community, which is remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, considering they're smaller than Canada, in population-wise. Now. Yeah.
0: And uh, you're here to compete?
3: Uh, not really. I came in this year for open gaming. I have mm-hmm. competed in the minis the previous years. Uh, this year I just wanted to get some open gaming and play as many different people as possible. That was my goal. I competed in one mini just for the heck of it because they had an open spot, but primarily it's to open game and play with as many people from a different countries as possible. To pick up a lot of different uh, viewpoints on the game, different ways to look at the game. Uh, Some people like to play very fast. Uh, Others are very meticulous and whatnot. So pick up different styles. Could you tell me what the mini is? I mean, I know I saw a list of them, different
1: topics, but how many games, how long, how do you win? I don't get that part.
3: depends on the mini, but most minis are just, you've got three minis to compete for in a day except for the Monster Mini. So you do three minis, and it's single-round elimination. So if you win the first round, you're on to the second round. Okay. And the second round, you're on to the final. So you can win a mini if your luck is good and yeah. you, and you yeah. happen to play well enough, you can win a mini. I mean, it's it's very doable. And because Brett has so many minis running... Uh, you, you have a very good chance of some at some point winning a mini. And this year he had the, the biggest loser, mini, which is not, not an indication of the, the, the type of people playing it, but just the fact that they had never won a mini before. Perhaps this is their first ASLOK they're eligible to compete in it because they haven't won a mini before. So it gives them a chance to compete amongst each other rather than getting the sharks in there <laughs> having a feeding frenzy. They right. they've got something to themselves that they could they're all at relatively the same skill level in theory. So yeah. I think that's a great idea. Well I had entered a painting
1: painting miniature painting contest at Gen Con mm-hmm. and in the beginning, you know, Jeff and I looked at them and they're like, wow I could win this, you know, my painting's as good as these guys. And then by the end of the day all the real painters had shown up and entered all their beautifully painted miniatures and i just looked at it and was like oh, there's, why did i ever think i could win this and i realized you know they don't have a competition for painters who have never won a competition
3: so they keep having the same winners showing yeah, up and winning right. this painting competition and that's that's the great thing about the mini that they brett did this year i'm not sure who won it but i, I think it's a great idea then everyone has a kick of the cat. So if you want a mini, you've got your piece of wood. Well, fine, go compete in the regular minis. But this is for people who haven't won one, so they have a chance at a uh, glory. Yeah, yeah. I, I think as, I'm going to do that from as as now this. on. It's not a bad idea. Now we couldn't help <laughs> but notice that you had your wife with you. Yes, <Yeah>, strangely enough, <laughs> on this trip. Yeah. No, she she was she's very uh, she, she's very excited about ASL in general. Uh, she encouraged me to get back into it when we came back from overseas, and. uh She's, her brother plays, uh, not as much as we'd like him to play, but he plays as well. But I think she, she's got a genuine interest. And she likes the whole concept, the idea that guys are playing. It doesn't, doesn't seem to uh, turn her off like some people's wives. They, they get quite ups, you know touchy about it. You know you're spending all that time when you could be spending time cleaning the house, blowing, mowing the lawn, or right. spending time with me. Um, but she's she she looks at it from a different perspective than than uh, than most wives, and I think it's a very positive perspective. And she's very supportive, and I'm very happy to have. Her.
0: Yeah, that's great. Have, that's a, have her around. Yes, that's a great thing. Both Dave and I are lucky. Both of our wives are very supportive as well. well. That's, that's yeah, great, we yeah.
1: get to game at least once every week sometimes yeah. more no, that's, that's yeah. very decent yes yeah. good so we'll keep them agreement is we're not out drinking or going to inappropriate places or you know watching right. too
3: many sports on TV well the, the great thing about ASL is you can actually drink and play ASL at the same time yes <laughs> and you don't want to get hammered because you got to play well <laughs> exactly so, so. I, do. I
0: do you still after, lose a bit
3: of socializing <laughs>
0: <laughs> after our uh, game that Dave and I are I'm ready to get hammered because I'm being hammered. (laughs) Well,
1: a few bad rolls today for Jeff,
0: but last night, last night he took it to me. I lose my momentum very quickly. Turnabout is fair play. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's that's the way it is. So you're wearing the you're wearing a shirt that says Battle School on it.
3: Yes, indeed. What is Battle School? What is that? Um, It's a concept I came up with a few years ago. I came to the first uh, Aslock I came to it was in 2007. I'd been out of ASL for a number of years because I'd been back to grad school. Well, I went back to school, did grad school, and then I went overseas. So I was out of the loop, and I found getting back into it, it's tough just to get the rules down again, but also to start playing at the level that, that uh, the players here t- tend to play at, at ASLOC and other national, ter- you, know, you know, regional tournaments. They play at a quite high level of, of play. Um, so first of all, personally, for me, it was the idea of getting back in and getting learning more about ASL and doing a better job of it. And then I thought, well, geez, I'm not alone in this. I'm sure there's lots of other people out there in the that same position, position. coming back into ASL or starting ASL for the first time. Someone has coerced them into to trying it out and uh, they're not sure if it's for them and whether they can handle this big god-awful road book that's two inches thick. Yeah. So it's quite intimidating. So the idea was, well, why don't we kind of school people in ASL? And start with the basics and build them up and give them confidence and and hopefully then they'll have more fun they'll play faster in which case their opponents will be happy to play them because they're not taking forever and they're not doing the rules dive all questioning the time. everything yeah so so it's it's ultimately it was about you know it's not just learning the game better but having more fun because if you're not looking at the rule book and just having fun and rolling dice i mean that's a lot more fun than reading rules I yeah. But, yeah but that's to me it's about playing the game um and that's, that's where the concept came from, the idea of schooling people how to play SL. Yeah, I know we have several starter kit players, and we're ready
1: to get them moved on. And it's kind of hit or miss as to what scenario should we play with them next, how much can they take, you know, are they ready for the next step, what would help them along. And one of them jumped right in, Doug, very quickly moved from starter, and others are real hesitant to do so. So having something that could help them would be a great idea.
3: Well, we're we're hoping that uh, that it's it's uh, not just going to encourage more uh, get people that are playing already to play better, but also, like you said, encourage people to to join the hobby and stick with it because there is a certain point where a lot of people pick up the book, play it a few games, and they say, "Well, it's not for me. It's just too much. It's too overwhelming." So. We want to we want to get rid of that overwhelming sense and, and that feeling that you know there's just too much in here. I'll never be able to digest it, and break it down into bite-sized chunks so that people can get a, get on with little bits at a time and then work themselves up, build themselves up. I mean, I don't. For those who were lucky enough to go through squad leader, we started with the program instructions, and we just went step by step and said read this much, play this scenario, read this much, play that scenario. Well, with the ACL rulebook, that just doesn't exist and paratrooper which was supposed to do that as a module never really was that effective in teaching people in a step-by-step way to play um or at least uh, my feeling was
1: well it. no i think that's right there was a chapter k which helped put the rules into vernacular correct um but beyond that yeah, it wasn't as programmed to introduce flamethrowers and then this and then that
3: and then keep building the system so. no. it's it's useful don't get me wrong it's, mm-hmm. it's quite useful it's just it it's it's not as approachable as it could be I suppose and it uh, still things, sort of requires you to have somebody teach you squad leader
0: yes I think yeah. that you should
3: have some background yeah. yes yeah. I think so and I think that's probably what was more was meant almost as a bridge for people learn, that came from squad leader and saying well okay this is, just follow this along you'll understand it it'll, it'll make sense to you and go from there but if the person off the street picking that up is probably going to have a little more more trouble on well, that cool. than, than someone with a bit of wargame experience to start with. Yeah. So you're so you're developing this
0: learning system, is that it? Kind of.
3: Well, we're, well, yeah. What we've uh, done is we've we've try, we're trying to come up with a um, a systematic approach to learning ASL or to becoming better at a, playing ASL. And ASL, to my mind, is right now it's in in, in two two air, two camps. There's the starter kit. ASL in the sense that you know, you know, it has a, a subset of the, the main rule book mm-hmm. and then of course there's that transition from that to the main rule book and then once you're in the main rule book there's all sorts of other funny stuff when you start getting into hassle, uh, historical ASL and other sorts of things, Deluxe ASL. So there's all these initial complications once you learn the basic rules and go through. It's
1: almost like even now after 20-something years of playing, I'm, I'm not done learning yet because the
3: historicals keep adding in these nice little nuances. That's right. And there's some historical ASL modules people won't play because they find them just too complex on a particular aspect. And and not even getting to the historical modules, but if you're looking at Chapter F, the desert, Mm -hmm. or -hmm. or Chapter G, the Pacific, some people are quite intimidated by certain aspects of those.
1: Rich Spilke came up to our table today. He's a local Chicago guy, comes to all these tournaments, and... um, you heard him, right, Jeff? He said he had his, played his first cavalry game. Yeah, his first cavalry game. And which is amazing. First, yeah. yeah, he's like, and I said, well, haven't you played everything? You know, everything? He's like, no, I skip all kinds of things. Yeah. So a lot of people won't do night, won't do this,
3: won't do Won't do, do that. caves. Yeah. That's right. Caves are a big one. Yeah. Beach landings, all that sort of stuff. Right, right. right. And it's, 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 it's too bad because you're missing out on, on, on some great fun. It's, you know, it's another aspect of ASL. It plays differently, just like night plays completely different than regular ASL. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And, uh, I mean, not, it's not for everyone, but the point is that it shouldn't be the rules that intimidate you and put it off you uh, playing that and trying it. It should be that, well, you've tried it, you understand how it interested. works, but it's just not for you. Yeah. But, but not that, oh, it looks like too much, I can't handle that. I think that's, that's uh, too bad. It's a shame. All those rules weren't written for to sit there and collect dust. They were yeah. written there so people could could have fun. And, and I think that's the other thing is it kind of relives prior to World War II and obviously before prior to World War II, Spanish Civil War and all that. It's a chance to relive these actions and, and, and see what they were like and get a, a little bit of the flavor of what was happening historically by playing a beach assault or a cave, cave action or what, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So.
0: so, the Battle School. Uh, what what is this going to look like when it's it's not done yet?
3: No, right? we're, yeah. we're still developing and at this At this point, what we're ch- initially was envisioned as a kind of an international collective. My idea was that a bunch of people, like minded people, would get together and put in effort to produce articles that would teach people about ASL. And w- the, the idea, the methodology that w- was developed was that, okay, we'll start with a series of articles or an article. We pair it with a, a, a scenario that we call a training exercise and that training exercise would practice the concepts discussed in the articles. So you And the scenario is specifically designed to practice those concepts. So you you immediately can go out after reading this article, pick up the scenario and play it. Of course, we also make suggestions of other scenarios that are you know official pro, uh, publications. MMP, for example, has a scenario on cavalry. If we just done an article on cavalry, we're going to say, well, you should really try this one, Into the Fray or whatever, and say this is a really good one to practice. It's going to get you... You know, get and, your cavalry rules and down. And you,
1: you choose that because it's adding just cavalry and not cavalry and DCs and knight rules. Yes. So what, what you
3: do is you, you, you try and find a scenario that's going to cut out all the other stuff and focus on the aspect as, as tightly as possible that you're trying to l- discuss in the article and, and, and ludicate in the article. Yeah. So as you said, if, if you want an article that's discussing flamethrowers, well, there's no need to put anything else in there. Uh, any other bells and whistles you're just going to focus on some flamethrower action with you know whatever else is in in the basic basic mix infantry what have you so you're just going to add one element or two elements that you've discussed so that they can practice and focus on those elements and learn them now obviously a flamethrower is not that quite complicated but there are more complicated rule sets for example and therefore you want to keep them tightly focused for that Mm -hmm. so in any case what would happen is we're looking at developing these articles some of which have been written already, that will be paired with a scenario. The scenario itself will have what we call a background or article, and that article will discuss some of the historical background of the scenario itself because, quite frankly, there's a lot of scenario cards you pick up. When you read that little bird at the top, you know, such a date somewhere in Russia, and you go, wow, that's really interesting. I'd like to know more about that. And then they give you a little aftermath I'll, at the end, a bit of a teaser. Yeah. Um, some of the better scenario cards, uh, better producers now are, are, are now coming out with more scenarios that have um, the. Uh, the source notes at the bottom so you can go and find that source note yes, mm. which is fine if you have access to that source material well, true. so what we're, go- we're, we're thinking is well why not put some of that material, obviously we'll just uh, distill it down so we've got a little snapshot of what occurred in the background article so you have your scenario card you look at your scenario card and if you're, you have an interest in learning more about the scenario itself and where it occurred and why it occurred you can read that in the backgrounder the other thing the backgrounder will discuss it'll talk to things about scenario design uh, how things are developed, why the OBs are in use, uh, what, what, uh, why we chose board X or board Y, mm. um, why the SSRs are what they are and what they're meant to replicate, so that you really get a feel for why the scenario looks the way it is at the end. And we'll also sometimes point out you know, how it developed, as things changed along in the, in the design process and the playtest process, why things aren't in there and why things aren't included. And then we follow along with tactics and tips on how to play the scenario some things that you might want to watch out for, some things that your opponent might want, might pull on you, so that you have a basic understanding of how it should play out, so you have a, you're not going in cold. And then you can go in, not worry about that stuff, and focus on the rules themselves that you've just just read about and practice that material. Um, and the, the hope is that all of these articles, we're starting at the starter kit level right now, the hope is that whenever we have a batch of articles together, say all at the starter kit one level, we'd create a starter kit handbook for starter kit level one, and what would be the handbook would be kind of a distillation of all the bits and pieces from the articles, but very very condensed down into a manageable format. So you can just flip through page by page. If I want to look at something specifically on... Oh, I'm, I'm going to do... Uh, smoke placement i can just go to the page that has smoke placement example with lots of pictures and and break down all the bits and pieces so i can source that material very quickly and get back to playing the game without flipping through the starter kit rulebook looking and looking and looking to find out where where it Uh it is um so that's that's the hope but that's eventually where that would go at the starter kit level.
1: I remember Rich Spilkey once commented on one of our round ta- our well, our only roundtable episode to date, where we just got guys to get and talk about the game, uh, ideas you might have. He said, you know, why don't they just go ahead and add on the scenario card some of these rules that are obscure things that you're not forced to go flipping through the rule book again, you know. Yeah. Very simply, could just be listed right here in the corner. And I did look at your material, and... Um, And Jeff, you saw it too last night. Yeah. The photograph that goes with illustrating the principal from the game was just an outstanding idea.
3: Yeah, that that was the other thing we we thought we'd put in because... Uh, for the older generation, they're, they're more familiar with, say, World War II, but a lot of the younger generation aren't. So if you're going to t- talk about a Russian MMG, well, it's nice to have a photograph of a Russian MMG and maybe a little burb about what it was so people mm-hmm. can actually see, wow, look at that thing. It's on wheels. It's heavy looking
2: That's and funny. all the rest
3: of it. So we can under, you, you can grasp it mentally when you look at it and go, okay, uh, I got to treat this thing a little differently than I treat, you know. German LMG, it's not the same beast. Um, that was one of the things we wanted, to, but also we wanted, to, we wanted to make it entertaining and fun. We didn't want this to be a dry-as-dust, you know, read-the-rules sort of thing. It's an article about just rules. Uh, I think it's got to be entertaining, and, and it's got to be light enough that, that it will engage you and that you're not going to turn it off. The other thing we did is we made it into little bite-sized pieces. We're, not that you read, have to read ten pages at once. You can read maybe, you know, a section of a page and digest that, go away, and do whatever, and come back. Um... The other thing we wanted to do with, with this whole thing was make it accessible. And the problem for many people is that you've got to buy something. And it's always out of print. It's hard to find. Uh, you know, and getting it on to be eBay and trying to try and track some down. So we thought, well, why not have it online, where you can get it and download it? So the concept was you'd have it online like an iTunes, and you just click and instantly download the article. And you could buy it whatever way you want to you get. Just you know, a set of articles in the scenario pack all together, or you can just buy the scenario that comes with the background article, and therefore you can get yourself started right away. So perhaps you're, you're not really fussed on infantry movement, you figure you're pretty good at that, but hey, it's an infantry only scenario. Sounds pretty interesting. I like the little blurb. Maybe I just like the scenario. So click buy, buy that. And you, you got a scenario to play. I mean, for what it costs for a cup of coffee today, to get le- pay less than that to buy a scenario and have a scenario you can play right away that afternoon mm-hmm. on, in, in your hand, that's, that's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we wanted to make that even better, one step better, was that we wanted to get away from the idea of r- errata. Everyone's always going on but well, there's a change to the scenario card, and I've got to write this on my sp- Well, we'll just update the scenario card, and you download it, again you've already got the code you you purchased the scenario card so you just click on again free download you've got the latest edition of that scenario and it's costing nothing extra unless of course you print it out and uh, then you have to print another piece of paper but other than that it hasn't cost you anything extra to to get the latest update and there's no annotating or anything else on the scenario card so we thought that would be a nice idea and the same thing with the articles if we ever change an image in the article or make it interactive then it's available for you to to download again for free and That was the concept, and it's kind of a, a move towards that, that the, the modern age where that we're more green, we're also more accessible, so we, we're we're getting, everyone can get in contact with it easier and get get access to it without having to pay exorbitant prices and all the rest of it.
1: Yeah, and we were having dinner with um, Rob Banizik, uh last night, and he was surprised to he he thought I got into this game really late in my career, and I said no, I was. I know your name from all these old articles, and I used to get these things in the mail, mm-hmm. at the point and Fire for Fact, all these newsletters in the mail, and we were just marveling at the advances, not only going from an old Xerox black and white, you know, mail newsletter mailing to these big journals and and annuals and all these productions now of all these third party products being able to produce all this material, and now to what you're talking about, taking the next
3: step into the future. Again, there's a lot to work out yet. I'm not sure how everything's going to look. But what we're hoping is that that a lot of people want to get involved on a volunteer basis, and eventually you know, it'll become bigger than it is now. Uh, There are a lot of people doing voluntary playtesting for us. Um, A couple of people have offered to do proofreading. There's a number of people doing editing. And that's what we want to do, get the community involved. Uh, and the other thing is we want to get the players themselves involved that are actually going to use this material. So we've been trying to get starter kit players involved in playtesting, for example, and giving us feedback on the articles themselves. Because if they're not useful to them, if they're not, if they're not fun, then they're not, it's not going to be of any consequence to them. We, we have to make it, make it good for them.
1: Um, no, and I do think that's a great idea. So are you looking long-term into the future then? Do you have an estimated launch time? Or we're, you know, I mean, at, the, at,
3: the, at the moment, we were, we were looking to launch in, in the new year here, and uh, I think it's going to probably mid-year before we get the starter kits, uh, level ones done. We wanted to launch with uh, at least the, the first series of, um, of articles for Starter Kit One, And one of the holdups we've had is that uh, some of our designs for the scenarios are based on boards in the expansion pack because of what we wanted to portray in the scenarios and everything else. So that's going to oh, hold up the testing. There, there's a number of things going on. There's, it's one thing to write the article and, and do the graphics, but there's another thing to get the scenario play tested, and that takes a considerable while to make sure you've got the right uh, right (laughs) balance.
1: Something happened. Is that a football comment or is that a squad leader comment? Football. Oh, they're watching the Michigan-Michigan game, folks. They're watching the Michigan game. So so where were we? Well, Chris, I wanted to say... I, this
0: is not going to work. This idea of yours is not going to work. First of all,
1: <laughs> scenarios... What are you talking about? A
0: scenario has to fit on one piece of paper. That's a rule.
1: But there's no paper, Jeff. That's a rule.
0: It's got to fit on one sheet of paper.
1: Isn't that a rule? No, actually, a lot of scenarios are two-sided already.
0: No, some, yeah, but Some that's bees but take that's, up one whole but, sheet but, themselves. But that's too radical. It's got to fit on one sheet of paper. It's got to be really confusing and Wait. dry. Articles should not be compiled together. Tips and tricks should be spread over... A hundred different magazines. So
1: we have to keep going to our libraries and digging out all these things and trying to find these articles that I've highlighted. Exactly.
0: That's the way you're going to wreck it. You're going to wreck. Don't listen to Jeff. He's old school. (laughs) No, really. You know, I I get as a new player, I get you get frustrated. I I, I get very frustrated trying to find tips and tricks articles, and I like them, and I, you know, and I I admire all of these old the, the general magazine and stuff, but. I'm not going to buy a whole issue of an old copy of the General for a couple of paragraphs on, um, on Panzerfaust yeah, or something um, like that. You is so your, your idea of, of having all this stuff eventually come together is fabulous.
3: I think yeah. there's a lot out there already and, and uh, I, I, I think that what, what needs to be done is to bring it all together yeah. so that there's, there's pieces all over the place and bring them all together in one place so people can find them uh, and the, one of the things that I was speaking to J.R. Uh, Van Mecklen we, we were playing a Night Scenario the other day and he wrote an article on Night Scenario and one of the things that he said he was a bit miffed at in retrospect was the fact that once he sold his article to Avalon Hill then Avalon Hill had the rights. And once that that publication went out of print, it would never see the light of day again. Oh, now right. Yeah. You know, that's, that was what he thought would happen. And I don't think it's going to happen that way, but in some cases, some stuff does get put by the wayside. And so it's lost to the, the people who come later or who have sold their stuff and try to get back into the hobby again. They can't find those things. And so one of the things we talked about was copyright. I'm not sure how that's going to work. But what we wanted to do was that if someone if someone writes an article for Battle School, they they retain copyright, okay? The you know for two years or whatever, to come up with something that, that it's released. But ultimately, if they want if they want to publish it themselves two years later or, or in the future, or want to give it to their friends, we're not going to stop that because that, that just doesn't make sense. The thing is, it's got to remain accessible to as many people as possible for as long as possible. Yeah. And that's the problem we had with the, with the idea of the copyright. But again, I don't know how that's going to work out. We're right. still talking, but to that's a about great
1: that. concept. Now that works with the cover art, because we had interviewed Ken Smith just the last show, forty. Well, by the time this airs, it may be a while. But in episode forty, and he talked about when he sells multi-man publishing the rights to the work. It's only rights for first publication. So he can sell prints on his own already. He can forever have be able to deal in his in that work, own that work. Mm -hmm. Yet,
3: first publication goes to the person. So that sounds similar to what you're. Yeah, that's what we're looking at because I I used to do photography and I had you know published a lot of my photography and it was one time use. I would never consider selling it as you know, exclusive rights. Yeah. I, think, I think you've got to protect the person who, you know, creative rights, you've created something, and I think it's valuable. That's why we're paying you for it. But at the same time, we don't, we don't think that we have the right to own it indefinitely. That's, that, that seems awfully wrong. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's where we'd like to go with it. So eventually the, the idea is that, that some of the really bright people out there who write articles already for asl and want to contribute they can do that and actually get some monetary money you know some sort of monetary return in the short term uh for that so that we're you know they're not giving their time away for nothing but at the same time they retain rights to that and they can do with what they want a couple of years later Uh, and that's going to get a lot more talented because quite frankly um i'm one person there's a couple other of us writing stuff or looking at stuff We, we we don't know half of what we need to know to get this you know, fruition. There's going to be a lot of other people that have to get involved to make this a, you know, all the way down the line. We can probably handle starter kit but when we start getting into some of the more complicated stuff in ASL, I think we would really we'd be doing everyone a disservice if we didn't try and involve some of the, the, you know, the real kings out there. Of, you know, there's, there's people who really know the desert, there's people who really know the PTO, or there's night, uh, people who love the night like Randy Rossi for example. Uh, really keen on the night and get those people involved and you know get their if nothing else if all they do is proofread it you know and say well you had you thought about this had you thought about that get people involved and get them excited about ASL and getting other people to do what they like obviously if you're a fan of the night uh, playing at night wouldn't it behoove you to get others interested in playing the night as well so Uh, you're going to do whatever you can to kind of get them interested and making it easier for them to transition into the night night actions so, uh, if anybody is interested
0: in this concept, and I can't imagine too many people that wouldn't be, where, what do they do uh, right now to see, see where you're at? Oh,
3: well, right now, we, I regularly post on Game Squad. Uh, that's probably where I post the most. And uh, it's just, uh, it, I've got my avatar is Battle School. Okay. But uh, if someone was to email battleschool at Rogers.com, battleschool, one word, Rogers.com, they just email that. I can send them some sample articles that they can read at their leisure. They're their PDFs. Uh, They're easy to download and all the rest of it, and uh, just get, get get an idea of what we're doing. If uh, if they like, I can even send a sample scenario scenario card so they can see what we're doing with it as well. One of the things we do with our with our um, our play testers is we, we, we don't just give them a scenario card. We give them a, a complete report form. It's all done up in PDF. It's a acrobat form so they can send it back to us. And we give them the explanation of how we expect them to, to fill out the form. But we also give them a, a, what we call a playtester pamphlet on the scenario. And it talks about some of the background to the scenario and why we're doing what we're doing and some of the history. And we give the sources and all the rest of it. And we invite them to bring back comments to us on how we can make it better. Because ultimately, the scenario, we want it to be a, an effort of everyone involved, all the playtesters. So the playtesters aren't just playtesters. They're actually scenario developers in the sense that they've got a great idea. Tell us about it. You've got the source material. You can check up on us and make sure that we haven't missed something and give us something that's going to make it better so that everyone has a chance to improve it. It's, there's no there's no concept of, you know, I'm the scenario designer. This is my design. This is how I want it to be. It's This is the scenario, you know, broad brush look. Uh, what can you add to it? What do you think we can do to improve it? And then ultimately, hopefully, that'll develop a better scenario and not just a, you know, an animal designed by a committee. A camel, we don't want the camel, but certainly we want right. the input because it is, I think it does improve the final scenario. So that's another thing. is We want as many people as possible to be involved and give their input so that it's a better product, whether it's a scenario, article, what have you. Great now, concept.
1: Now, you've also brought a few things with you, physical objects today. You had some cool dice. Are those available for sale?
3: Oh, yeah. The battle dice. Uh, we, we, we created these battle dice uh, on a bit of a whim. We had a, an event we held, and we wanted to get... Again, with the idea of Battle School is that we want to get people playing and having fun. And we decided to have a bit of an event. And we had a problem with getting people to attend events, especially because, you know, everyone's always so busy. So we said, well, we need a hook. And the hook was, well, we'll hold it between halfway between Montreal and Ottawa and get the people from Ottawa and Montreal to come together and play because we normally don't play together except for at a tournament. So, well, okay, that's fine. Where are we going to do that? All right, midway. What's midway? Oh, this little town. There's nothing there. What's, oh, there's a brewery there. So we said, oh, a microbrewery. That's an idea. So we approached them. They said, yeah, sure, we can, you can have an event in here. And so we just had a one-day event where you could show up at the brewery, play ASL, open, no tournament. You could pre-match, whatever. You play a couple games, whatever you wanted. And for that tournament, we designed some dice to give out for free as well as some shirts. So everyone who showed up got a shirt, a pair of dice, Some beer, good food, good gaming, good company, and for the day we played ASL. And that's where the dice started. Um, The response to the dice was actually more than we anticipated. A lot of people started asking, where do you get those dice? Can I get any more of those dice? And all the rest of it. So we thought, well, okay, we'll make a few more of colors because people were talking about colors. And then... I started thinking, well, I'm coming to Aslok 25. It's 25 years since ASL was released in '85. I thought, well, what a neat idea. We'll make some dice that commemorate that. So that's what we did. We made some dice to commemorate it. So if you've seen the dice, you've seen it on the on the white die, the German set. There's a squad leader, as in the first squad leader box that we remember, the old squad leader. And then we put the Russian from this cross of iron. We got the original photograph of him, and we put him on the die, the Russian white set die. And just to make it really nice, we put a knight's cross on the... On a blue die to go with the German, and we put a Hero of the Soviet Union medal on the red die to go with, the, with the, the Russians. And we thought, well, you know, that's something fun. ASL is about having fun. It wouldn't be cool to be able to look at these guys from way back in 1977, 78, and see them when you're playing ASL. I thought that. And it's a bit nostalgic for me because I've been playing so long, but I think even the, the younger ones will appreciate that it's kind of fun having dice. That, reflect your game so that's why we did them
1: yes yes it is and they look very cool yeah, they're very so. nice well anything else we need to cover here
3: no i think uh
0: that gives us a good preview of what we have coming up from you guys so we'll definitely be all right well thanks you know, we look forward to hearing more about when this gets released and you know if there's anything we can do well, let, so. us let, you know. let us know and appreciate the time all right yeah. well thanks, thanks for coming a lot in. Well, take, care. For take care Bye-bye, Chris. thank you chris dory that was and uh, his wife and his wife, he's his great lovely wife.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, and I guess that's it. What? What? You gotta go. I do have to go. <laughs> I have to go. we will get ready for VBS tomorrow
0: morning. All right. I think I'm going to just uh, sit up and and chill. Consider Mark Pitcavich. and, and read the website. You with, know that he's dissed us so for some reason. Well, roll low, everybody, <laughs> and <laughs> and don't hold a grudge. Rally well. <laughs> just kidding, Mark. But but not, not when, when you're playing, playing, playing us. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. See you next time. Yeah, you need to hear me say about
1: work. Is that poor sap, Mister Borsa? Mister Borsa, he's got fifty terabytes running the dice.
0: I guess well, dice are more interesting. interesting. But no sour grapes. No.